Welcome to our LinkedIn Live conversation. I'm Rick Franzi, and thank you for joining this conversation today. My purpose and the purpose of the coaching business I lead is to help executives to live impactful lives. My guest today is my friend and author, Leo Batari. I've invited Leo to join us to discuss his third book, Peer Innovation, What Peer Advisory Groups Can Teach Us About Building High-Performance Teams. And here is the book. It's one of the three books in my Leo library. Here are the other two. Leo, welcome back, and it's great to see you again, my friend. How are you? It's great to be here, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. So, so let's talk about this book, Peer Innovation. What's the main idea contained in your book, Leo? The main idea is really is that peer advisory groups have been for around for a long, long time. And you know, people who participate in these groups get incredible benefit from them, whether they're CEOs, key executives, or whatever. And what's interesting is when you look at what these peer groups do so well, it's amazing how applicable it is to high performing teams. So over the past five years, I conducted about 150 to 160 workshops throughout North America and the UK. And we looked at you know, a lot of things with regard to these groups and we really dug in and also worked with cross-functional work teams in an effort to really demonstrate how this framework um, you know, that's um, outlined in peer innovation really works for high performing teams. So to be able to put this book out there so the teams can take advantages of, of what groups have done so well for so long, uh, I think it'd be really a game changer for next year. So, so let's talk about the title. You mentioned how it's this combination of two words, but f first of all, what was the inspiration? Like when in the process of crafting this book and the research, did you hit on this title and what does it mean? I hit on the title in 2012 when I wrote a blog post and used it for the first time and um, definitely saw it as this idea of peers, you know, people like me and innovation, creativity realized and the idea of what people can do together. And so for me, it was just kind of a natural combination. And when you talk about what really works well in peer groups and how it transforms the teams and the fact that teams um, tend to work together for to create a shared work product or maybe to win an NBA championship or whatever it happens to be, whether it's business sports, um, you know, they do that together and they create together and not just coming up with great ideas, but to do things that are actionable and make a difference in people's lives. So you've been using this phrase for a while and now it's in the book. What's been the reaction to the title? What, what kind of feedback are you getting on peer innovation? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Sometimes people have a, a little bit of stumbling of like peer, you know, they in tries to, trying to say the word, right? Okay. Um, but by and large, um, I think people like it, they understand it. And I think once they crawl inside the framework, they get that what we're talking about here is more than just kind of a fun made up word, that it has real substance to it and can make a difference for them. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, that's been my experience with what Leo does. There's substance to all that he uh, does. Uh, I've known Leo for years. We're in the same space, peer learning. Uh, he's an advocate for that. I mm -hmm. love having him on, reading his work and following him because I learned about the latest innovations in what's going on in peer learning. And for you to take what people leave their company to go and do, whether you know be a top executive or a key executive, and now focus it inside of an organization, I think is really a, a powerful extension and maybe one that I wouldn't have thought of to bring that in. What was the inspiration for, take me back to that. How, how did you make the connection from 
what we know as peer groups to bring it in inside the high performing teams for companies? Um, so part of it really began with looking at groups inside companies. So if you're a company, you might have teams in your company, but there are companies that also have groups in their companies. The difference being the group is about how do we make the individual contributors better at what they do so they can be better team members, essentially. So when we saw and worked with these groups, we really realized the connection and they saw it with one another as well, particularly with cross-functional work teams where you've got marketing, finance, HR, legal, and whatever, how they work together. I mean, think about the comparison, right? When you get people who um, represent CEOs from various companies or industries or whatever and how they come together, it's not unlike what happens in a cross-functional work team when you have the various disciplines that come into play where people get to listen to one another, really try to understand what each other does, find the synergies, find the opportunities. And this is where, uh, you know, it became really evident that there were some great possibilities for uh, teams. So, so you've had the concept uh, and the word for eight years. And what was the inspiration to take the effort? You've written two books. So I'm just, what is the inspiration? Tell us about the inspiration for writing your third book. Five years of workshops <laughs> throughout the North North America and the UK, really, right. and and working with about you know roughly eighteen hundred to two thousand group members or employees, along with leaders and CEOs and key executives, seeing the difference it can make and realizing this is content that I really want to make sure that gets out there. And I think particularly we're in a world right now too that as we know, on one hand, we have this incredible generosity taking place, right? We have people working together in communities all over this country um, who are doing well for and by one another. And at the same time, we also have incredible political divisiveness. And I think it's gonna be in the workplace where we start to lead ourselves back to a place where we can be cooperative, collaborative, and really start making things happen, um, I think. And um, so I'd, I'd like to see on a, in a broader scale this have that kind of influence because I think once we start doing this inside companies, the leaders will follow. So there's a term that you sort of have, have I think coined as well in our industry. And I wonder if you could share it here for this audience today. And what do you mean by the term peer influence? So I, I think peer influence I would suggest has probably been around for a little longer in terms of um, not sure I would take credit for that one, which is essentially kind of the impact the people who surround us can have in shaping our behavior. But I will say that a term that we did coin in the first book, The Power of Peers, was peer advantage. Right. And basically it was the recognition that, okay, if we have this incredibly powerful and pervasive force in our lives, which is the influence of our peers, what would happen if we were actually more selective, strategic, and structured about how we engage those peers? And this is what happens essentially with, um, you know, groups and teams. Yes, I, I was. You you took me to where I was get kind of building it right because peer influence okay. is one thing, but the real power is the advantage. And I and I think that's why that's what drew me to this industry. I was a member of a peer mm -hmm. group before I joined Renaissance and and now lead peer groups and. You've seen it firsthand from your time with Vistage and now all the work that you're doing with the broader peer advisory. I wonder if we could kind of come back to peer innovation and maybe take us through the table of contents. I don't, I don't mean literally, but why would someone buy this and what will they get out of it when they read it? So I think for starters, it invites you into um, a world that you grew up in, right? It was my neighborhood. 
with my one school that I or my several schools, but in my area that I may have grew up in, and you know, I was surrounded by pretty much the same people with a lot of the same you know ideas and you didn't have a ton of diversity, let's face it. I mean, if you uh, grew up in any one place and it's the idea of how do we just like when we're in a company and we're in the marketing department, we need to get out once in a while. We need to understand, well, what does finance do? What does HR do? What, and really understand how it impacts the whole. So I think this idea from a mindset perspective of, you know, understanding the whole, um, you know, is kind of an important concept for the change of mindset, um, leading us to a place where, um, and it's essentially one of the key findings from the first book, which was that high-performing groups and high-performing teams as well um, have what we call a robust learning-achieving cycle. And that basically means that they learn, and we know you learn better when we learn together. And when we do that, and that learning becomes embedded in us, we give one another the encouragement and have the courage to act on that learning in a way that is really powerful. And when we act on that learning and implement it for ourselves or in our organizations, even if there's some trial and error, when we achieve success there, that's a cycle we want to repeat more often. Mm -hmm. If you think about teams, whether it's for Super Bowls or NBA championships or whatever it happens to be, um, those teams, when you think about the teams that are consistently competing for, for championships, they're the ones that regard the championship as the reward, not the goal. The goal for them is how do we get better every single day? How do we learn? How do we grow? How do we raise the bar? How do we set our own standard of excellence? And if we do that, we'll always be in a position to be able to compete you know, for a championship, if not win it. And I think for companies, whether you may not be trying to win a championship, but maybe you're trying to create the best advertising in the world. How do you do that? You hire really great people, right? Who are in a psychologically safe environment, who challenge one another in a way that's super powerful and productive, where they, um, you know, have a level of accountability that represents their personal currency with everyone, you know, on that team, under leadership that is designed to really serve the team, not the other way around. And that's really powerful stuff, I think. And we introduced that concept early on in the first few chapters of the book. And then we take those five factors one at a time, right? This idea of having the right people in the room, enjoying psychological safety, being truly productive and what that feels and, and basically what that means. Um, accountability with a bit of, bit of a different twist on it, not accountability that makes employees feel like they're playing defense, but accountability from the perspective of, hey, we're all in this together and we are going to win together, lose together, but we are all in and we are we share in our passion for our purpose. Um, and then finally, leaders, again, who, you know, really are not there for their own self-aggrandizement. They're not there to make themselves look good. They are there to serve the team and make them successful and essentially be the steward of those other four factors. And we go through that. Um, then in chapter seven and eight, we I'd really do two things. One is I get into after uh, doing so many of these groups, I provide some of the aggregate data around some of the common challenges that were found for each of these five factors um, in groups that I looked at. Um, we made the connection to what that looks like for teams. And then in the final chapter, we basically look at what peer innovation could mean for your team. Are you ready? Are you the kind of organization where this would work? Because quite frankly, it may not be for everybody. Uh, I think you've got to be the kind of organization that first and foremost wants to create the level of psychological safety that makes all of this even possible. Um, but I think if you're either at a place where you're 
far down that line or you are aspirational toward doing so, I think this is the kind of framework that can really be helpful. You know, it's, it, it's very purposely designed not as a prescription. I don't walk into any group or any team and tell them, hey, here's what you need to be doing or not or anything like that. I give them the framework to come to those agreements on their own. And it's actually magical to watch what they do together and how they create clarity around expectations and aspirations. And um, it's, it's really a cool thing to see. That was a great overview of the book. I was spellbound as you were taking me through it, recalling reading it. I'm wondering, do you have other resources available that support the book? If so, can you describe them? I mean, I know that you have um, for years been helping peer groups become high performance peer groups, and you're, you're a master and an expert at that and helping chairs to really help their members get maximum value. Is there something analogous to that that you're doing for teams within companies now? Yes. Um, that's exactly what um, essentially I've created with this program. In fact, in the in the uh, last page of the book, uh, there is a uh, a link there that you can use that'll take you to about a 30 page uh, PDF where if you want to kind of DIY this back at your own company or have a look at it and see what this might feel like in your organization, you can certainly do that. And then, of course, I mentioned that if it's not something you want to do on your own, that I know a guy you know, who could help, so, uh, you know, but um, no, the, it's very much designed for that. And I will tell you too, even from a, everything about this for me is how do we get it in the hands of the most people to do what they can with it? It may involve me, it may not. Uh, even from the standpoint of pricing the ebook at $3.99, I, I made available the soft cover at the same time as the hard cover for prices that I wanted people to, I wanted it to be a no-brainer for a team leader who read this and said, man, I'd love everyone on my team to see this, and it's boom. And it's just easy, inexpensive, and by the way, in a world where we have remote work teams, hmm. e-books are fabulous, no shipping, no <laughs> any of that kind of stuff, it's just get it to them instantaneously, it's stuff you can work with, it's obviously easily searchable and everything else, so um, that's really kind of the, the impetus for a lot of that as well. I just really want people to kind of think about this. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, as we know, on teams and team building and leadership and all that. And I recognize that. It isn't that these books I don't find as competing. I find them more to be, find something that resonates with you. And if you feel that you connect with it in some way that will inspire you to act um, in a way that will make a positive difference, I'm all for that. And I hope that for people who read my book, at least some will look at that and be inspired in that way. And it can make a difference for them and their organizations. So, so Leo, I know in addition to being author, third book, uh, you're also um, a speaker, a workshop facilitator, a muse, whatever. And I'm just, I'm always curious in this year of COVID when that, that industry has been so disrupted, what have you done to pivot in your business to be able to still make the positive impacts you're making, but having to do it virtually instead of in person? Well, interestingly enough, a lot of um, peer groups and companies still want ways to deliver content uh, for their employees. And they also want it, want content that is relevant to some of the challenges they're facing right now. So for me to be able to do this virtually was, a, you know, um, a pivot, not a, you know, terribly difficult one, but yet, as you know, when you're doing this virtually, it's, it's a different medium and you've got to deliver the content, um, you know, in a bit of a different way. But teams now, obviously, 
you know, when I was talking to CEOs in, in their groups and they would say more often than not, hey, productivity is up 20%, up 30%. Never would have thought about that in a million years. I was forced into this, but yet somehow productivity is greater, right? Um, and a lot of that had to do with, I think, when you invite people into your home versus going into a central workplace, and now all of a sudden you can tap into people's shared struggles and humanity and things that are going on in their real lives, like dogs and kids and artifacts in the background that give you a window into someone in their life that's beyond just looking at them as a fellow employee. You know, I think that was really powerful. But I think a lot of very savvy CEOs recognize that even if productivity was up, you're dealing with things like burnout, insulation, isolation, the feeling of obscurity, right? The idea that, you know, you think it was hard to get noticed when you went in the office every day, try staying at home and see how that feels, you know, for like for a lot of employees. And also just the feeling of wanting to be inspired and figuring out how to do that in a virtual world. So oftentimes, um, you know, our conversations would talk about those very things and CEOs would share ways that they are trying to model the way in that regard so that um, their employees had the resources and the permission to kind of live their lives and serve uh, the organization at the same time. And uh, I think that, um, you know, more and more CEOs have, have said to me kind of sheepishly in some respects that, you know, I've uh, probably never asked my employees, how are you doing more often than I have? Mm -hmm. when I, you know, you start a meeting with people virtually and you just want to know how everyone is. How are they feeling? How are they coping? How's your mom and dad doing? How are your kids doing homeschooling? You know, whatever is going on in their lives. And it's creating deeper connections in many respects. And I do believe that that has played a factor in uh, improving cooperation and collaboration in that regard. And I think it's one of the reasons why um, a lot of the work I've been able to do, um, you know, has been, uh, has, has grown during this period. I'm very curious, Leo, to see the, um, in 2021 and future years, what the lessons that we learned from 2020 and how that morphs into different sensibilities in business and a different business environment. And so that was a great discussion. I, I'm wondering if, if someone is interested, they want to buy the book or one of your other books, or they want to learn more about your firm, where would you like them to go? So they can go to peernovation.co uh, or they can go to leobatari.com, which I know you've got scrolling at the bottom of the, of the screen, basically will take you to um, the same place. Obviously my LinkedIn profile. Let's not forget that, you know, that uh, here we are on LinkedIn. And uh, I typically post a, a great deal of uh, content uh, on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, and we have our, our podcast, which I hope people will tune into, which is basically, you know, airs anywhere you can find podcasting, <laughs> where you listen to podcasts, we're on it. If it's on C-Suite Network or, um, you know, Apple or Spotify or iHeartMedia, Amazon, anywhere you can find parent innovations pretty easy so and we have a lot of fun with the show randy Kentrell uh, does that show with me and we've had some amazing guests on and sometimes randy and i just do our own thing and we have a lot of fun with it but i do think um we try as best we can you know each and every week to try to deliver some content that we think is relevant and valuable well i um appreciate you giving of your time Thank you for writing your next book. Thank you for coming on our LinkedIn Live and having a conversation about it. Um, you're doing a lot for the industry of peer influence, peer advantage, peer sharing. It's such a vital 
thing that you're doing for our greater industry because I think it's really important. Everybody can learn from each other if we just get them in the right environment. And now you're bringing it inside of companies, which I think is a is a great next step for you. I'm so enjoyed your journey and watching what you're creating for yourself and for others. So thank you, my friend, for giving up your time. Well, thank you. And you know, you've been at this a long time yourself and have, um, you know, delivered a lot of great lessons to me and everyone else out there. So I appreciate that. You're, it's, it's a great sharing. And I hope that the audience has enjoyed my conversation with Leo. You know, I do these conversations to help provide you with insights and ideas that you can use as an executive to live an impactful life. I would ask you to connect with me on LinkedIn if we're not already a first level connection. And my business partner is Renaissance Executive Forums. We're a global network of over 2000 business leaders that are powered by the collective intelligence of the community. And until the next conversation I happen to have on LinkedIn Live, I'm hoping that you will be able to make a positive impact in your environment.